It's series three of the Artists in Residence podcast and we are chuffed to have you with us. Last series we spoke to the likes of It's Nice, that senior editor, the co-founder of Inner City Swim Club Swim Dem Crew and the filmmaker behind the remake of Christina Aguilera's iconic beautiful music video about what it meant to them to use creativity for good as well as to share real examples of how people are acting on those good ideas and turning them into action. My name is Isabel Wilkinson and I started this project as a way to personally answer some big questions I had about creativity, problem solving, art and who creative opportunities are available to. My goal is to bring people together to share their ideas and work together to drive forward solutions to the big issues affecting people and the planet. When it comes to the hardest questions, consider this your invitation to join the table and create answers, because together we can all be artists in residence. The conversation with today's guest hit me hard. Eric Holthouse is a meteorologist and leading journalist on all things weather and the climate crisis. And the setup for this conversation was to talk about his recently launched project, Currently, which is a weather service that aims to build community, share weather information and tell climate stories on a global, local and personal scale. Even more recently, he launched Project Mushroom, which takes the idea that social media in its current form is broken and run by billionaires for their own purposes, and instead offers a creator ecosystem where people can do their work and share their contribution to solving systemic issues without worrying about what they're supporting. And we covered all of that, but it was really Eric's honesty and optimism about the climate crisis and how it intersects with other systemic issues that inspired me. I hope Eric's message has the same effect on you and galvanizes you into action in whatever form makes sense for you. As always, there are links to currently in Project Mushroom in the show notes, so do go and check them out. Now, over to Eric. My name is Eric Holthouse. Um, I'm the founder of uh, Currently Weather Service, and um, we've recently launched what we're calling Project Mushroom, which is an all-in-one ecosystem for creators um, focusing on climate justice. So very broadly defined definition of of climate justice, everything from abolition to artists to science, journalism, everything relating to imagining and working toward a um, world that works for everyone. And we will absolutely come on to both currently and Project Mushroom um, in more detail very shortly. Um, but to get right into it, I wonder if you could tell us what creativity means to you and, and within your work. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I think that we are in this moment of climate change as well as world events, as well as um, racial inequity um, in general, um, struggles that are overlapping, that we um, need imagination um to imagine a world where those things um don't exist and people can live to their full potential um we have been siloed for centuries by you know colonialism and imperialism and capitalism and all of these ways of being that um are hierarchical that basically are extractive and take away from who we are as people to be totally blunt, like the goal for us to survive as a civilization working uh, ahead over the next, you know, like 80 years um, or even like 10 years <laughs> is going to be reimagining those systems and 
replacing them with systems that are more focused on regeneration and individual um, diversity and like basically acknowledging everyone's um, differences and using that as a strength rather than as a weakness. So that definitely requires imagination. And that's kind of like my whole worldview and work process and everything all rolled into one right now. Wow. Just a, just a small answer then. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I, I, I wonder if you can give us a bit of a whistle stop tour of kind of the Eric Holthouse career to date. What's led you to this point? What's got you to working on currently in Project Mushroom? Right. So I'm a meteorologist and started working on um, weather and climate and communication overlap um, starting around, I would say, 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. Um was really like, you know, I was in college. This was a moment where I was like, there has to be a way for me personally to mesh together my love of weather and the natural world and these like great systems of harm that are working. I would never have said it in that way then, right? Like I would have been just like, wow, this sucks. Why is this happening? Why did all these people have to die? Um, it felt like, you know, there was enough warning for this hurricane. And why didn't those people just like follow the orders and evacuate? Well, there mm. are centuries of reasons why marginalized Black people in New Orleans living in the U.S. South didn't even have the means to evacuate, let alone didn't trust the government, let alone like, you know, were led to believe that the structures that their tax money paid for would, were going to keep them safe. And none of those things turned out. And just like imagining that on a global scale is kind of like what um, my work has been over the last 10 to 15 years, like mostly focusing on journalism and public writing, whether that's like Twitter or longer form articles or um, I had a book that came out in 2020 called The Future Earth. And now um, in this, you know, last two or three years of everyone's kind of like working remotely and reimagining how they fit in the world, like post during and post pandemic. I think that um, there has never really been a better time for individual people to fit together in um you know, collectives that work together to try to like advocate for this sort of systemic change that needs to happen specifically on climate. So this idea of community now feels like a good time to talk about currently and what you're building and, and then specifically what you're building with Project Mushroom over on Mastodon. Can you tell us about both of those? Yeah. Um, so currently as a network of, of weather newsletters around the world, um, we have about 25 or 30 cities that we work in around the world. Um, U.S., um, Canada, Dominican Republic, Spain, um, U.K., and Australia right now. But we're working on providing daily weather updates for people who, um, I mean, trying to reimagine what it's like to have a weather service in the 21st century that's not top down, um, that's kind of like written by someone that lives in your city 
um, and reflective yeah. of um, how you live your life and information that you need to know to just move about your day. Um, rather than like numbers and stats and percentages, we're talking about like today's going to be like a bad hair day or like it's been really um, abnormally warm here in the middle of the winter in like all of the mobility issues that come with snow uh, melting and then refreezing into ice and like, you know, just talking about the weather in playing the language and connecting that to climate change fundamentally so that people feel like we had someone um, that said, I appreciate this newsletter because I feel like I'm not being gaslit by the like major media of like, you just like lead with climate front and center. Like everyone knows that that's underlying basically every weather event these days. So why not just say that and talk about it and help to spread awareness of how that's working and how people can insert themselves into the story. I think like that's something that we're trying to do is to provide readers a way to, to participate in the story and not just have to like watch it from the sidelines. So that's kind of the goal for currently. Um, with Project Mushroom, um, this is an extension of the idea that um, social media in its current form is basically now, especially with Twitter, run by billionaires for their own personal purposes. And so we need social media, we need um, an entire creator um, ecosystem of for folks to just kind of do the, their work without worrying about what bad things that they're supporting <laughs> unintentionally. So, so this is like, um, we are, have just started onboarding, um, basically anyone who, who wants to, um, host their newsletter through us. Um, we are working with ghost, which is an open source newsletter, um, providing, uh, service. So people can host their podcast. People can host live events. People can, um, send daily or weekly or monthly newsletters um, to their people to kind of like keep in touch with them. We also have a Mastodon-based social media network um, that people can use to stay in touch, which is really works and functions like Twitter, but it's not owned by Twitter. It's owned by us and we can control it and we can be more responsive to the needs of the community. And it feels like with all of this work that you're doing, there is a real push against the mainstream media, kind of the people that have been running, as you say, Twitter is now owned by a billionaire. Is that something that you've always been conscious of as a meteorologist and a journalist? Or is that something that's happened more so in, in recent years? I think it's been a slow realization for me personally. You know, there are people, you know, particularly I'm thinking of, um, indigenous people in North America who have been doing the same work for hundreds of years, like definitely realize how to make things better and how to um, work together in ways that are tested throughout time. And I think that my process over the last, especially five years has been to listen rather than to talk. Um, and so a lot of what we're doing, especially with Project Mushroom, we started it with a survey. We didn't start it with like, here's an idea of what we're trying to build. We started it with like, 
what do you all need? And let's build it together. Like you tell us what you need and we will make it happen if we can. So that's been kind of the lead of, of Project Mushroom in particular is we need um, services that reflect the needs of the community rather than kind of top down. So that's something that, you know, for the first 10 years of my career, I was basically like struggling with trying to understand like why do weather events disproportionately impact certain groups of people, basically realizing that the problem is much, much bigger than just meteorology or climate change. It's systemic throughout society. Then I realized that I couldn't change everything myself, or nor should I try because me as a white middle-class person in the United States is not, it's not my position to necessarily lead on those things. So that's why like my leadership role has been more of just like listening and letting other people direct um, our activities. And with building currently in Project Mushroom, what's the biggest challenge that you've faced so far or that you foresee yourself facing with bringing these to life? I mean, to be completely honest, um, it has been trying to prioritize all of the things that feel like they need to be done in like immediately (laughs) Um, and just trying to say like, so what should we do first? How do we how do we scale it back a little bit and work within our own um, sort of like capacities um, and expertise and ask for help where we can? Um, Asking for help requires paying people a fair wage. So we've, we've grown our, our staff and our team to like almost 50 now. Um, in the last two years, um, we started, we launched on June 1st of 2021. So it's only been 18 months that we've been going. Um, and we're already working in all of these places in all of these countries and trying to find a way to make all of that work sustainable, um, both from like a mental health perspective, as well as a financial perspective. So um, we're trying to do all of this in real time. So it's just like, I didn't ever expect to be like a manager or like a CEO of a nonprofit or anything like that. So um, I'm still just trying to ask for help as I go. Um, And that has been the hardest part for me personally is just like reining myself in. Yeah, I I can imagine. And certainly in the spheres that I guess I am seeing on social media, there is huge conversation about eco-anxiety and the effects of burnout on people working on the climate crisis and I wonder what charges you up to to work on this what is motivating you and and keeping you fueled yeah I mean I think just like realizing the impact that you can make if you actually just take a step back and listen um has been really really transformative for me personally where where suddenly um, making a difference feels easy um, if all you're doing is lifting up the people who already know what they're doing. Like all yeah. they need is just a place to do their work. And so that's really all that we're trying to do with Project Mushroom is just like you want to have a newsletter to spread the word about the things that you know that work or the things that you are doing that are working. That's all that we're doing is basically giving you 
a greater reach for your voice that you currently have. I'm not telling anyone what to do other than we just need you to do what you're doing and just trying to like streamline that whole system. So like connecting people with resources basically is what um, we've seen as our job. And I think that's super exciting to see people just like being you know like more effective versions of themselves so you've mentioned already that in 2020 you published the future earth um a book with harper collins how did you find the book writing process and i guess what did you set out to achieve with publishing that book right yeah i mean like uh, the original book idea started as a letter to my oldest kid who is now eight years old um, but when I realized that he, when I learned that he w- was going to exist, <laughs> um, I kind of like very quickly, a lot changed in my head and was like, well, I need to sort of like say what my hopes and dreams are for you. Um, and so that kind of is how the book process started. That was in, uh, 2014. Uh, the book was published in 2020. So, right, like it was yeah. a six-year process, a long process. of yeah. re- rewriting and revising. And like I ended up working with um, two different different publishers and three different editors over that period of time. So like it was a long process to get the book out into the world. Um, and then it was launched like right during the start of COVID too. So like um, nothing really went to plan. <laughs> but like... This, the end result is still what I would imagine. I mean, like I dedicated the book to him and his younger brother who came after. Um, Amazing. And, and that is still kind of what it is, is like my vision for how things can go informed by conversations I had over that over those six years of people who, like I said, already know what they're doing, already have been doing the work. So it was really inspiring to learn all of that as I was doing the book. And what do you think's changed in the fight against the climate crisis since you published that book in 2020? Right. I think things are happening faster and slower at the same time. I mean, like, I imagined um, that there would be kind of this, like, transformative moment at some point where everyone said, nothing ever is going to be the same again. And I feel like that's what COVID was um, mm-hmm. on a much larger scale than I was imagining. Like I was imagining just for climate change, but it, this was just like for everything, like everything changed. So having the, the new law that's just come into effect in the United States, the um, very weirdly and politically named Inflation Reduction Act, but it's like much, much more than inflation. <laughs> um, it is about like, setting a course on the next 10 years of um, climate-friendly development in the United States. So that's like giving certainty to people on we are moving towards a zero-carbon society, and that work starts immediately. So we've never had that. This is our first national climate policy in the United States. So um, that happened quicker than I thought not as like far reaching as I hoped it would be, but it's happening quicker than I thought it would. So like we're on the path 
it's just a matter of we're still moving too slowly and we're always going to be moving too slowly on this problem, I think. Um, and it's just figuring out who is harmed by us moving um, too slowly and how do we um, how do we make it right with them as a society. And do you think you feel more or less hopeful about the future of our planet than you did in 2020? Big question. <laughs> I would say the same. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm an, I'm basically an eternal optimist to a fault. Like, and I feel like whenever something bad happens, I was like, okay, well, we'll just do it in a different way. We, we're going to, we're going to end up in the same result. We're going to end up with a society in my lifetime, if not my kid's lifetime, where people are treated fairly, like where, you know, um, we are, we have completely rethought society to where it's like not extractive and it is working. I just see like the last, um, the last, let's say 250 years as being like this weird blip uh, Mm. that was caused by the discovery of fossil fuels. And like, we're over that now. Like it's clear as a world, like even though it's taking um, longer than expected, we have a general global effort to phase out that that part of human history. And it's gonna happen in my kid's lifetime, if not in my lifetime. So that certainty is, is there. It just needs to happen as quickly as possible. Um, so that's huge. I mean, like, we're ending this super important long chapter, but we're getting back to at our core as humans and as a society thinking about we need to work with the earth rather than extract from the earth. Like we need to work with like wind and solar and geothermal and biomass and all the stuff like that's the energy source that we have is the energy source that the earth gives us. And then everything else falls from that, like how we structure society but is built on, on like, it's a, just a shift in mindset um, where we can't just take as much as we want whenever we want. We're going to have to work within these natural limits. And I think that changes everything. You mentioned earlier about your love for nature. And I wonder, what does that look like for you? What, how do you enjoy being outdoors and, and, and being in nature, what does that look like for you? Um, I think that it's really like a sensory thing for me of just like moving in a space that you don't have personal control over. And that makes you change how you think about things in terms of like, I'm much more willing to listen and, um, take my time and just like be led by what's around me rather than being in this like internet bubble world of sitting at my desk and always having like this privilege of having clean water and coffee and like whatever else I want whenever I need it. It's just like a different way of being for me. And so like, I, I don't know, try to walk as much as possible even in the city, it still is like, 
it fulfills that need for me personally because I can't always just like go to a national park right whenever I want to <laughs> like that's not nature and like I don't think we need to have this like pure sense of what nature is like it's all around us it's like in your backyard and like even just like the moss that grows on the concrete is still part of nature I I love that and I couldn't agree more I had to force myself to go for a walk today and I felt so much better after I got back but it's amazing how important you can make yourself feel when you sat in your little bubble typing on your laptop all day and exactly you, the perspective of being outside is much needed as a final question what's your advice for someone listening who has an idea or a frustration about the climate crisis and wants to act but doesn't know where to start what would you say to them that is so relevant to basically everyone alive right now. Like everyone yeah. has felt that, right? Even my eight-year-old is like, well, my six-year-old even like, he um, he loves to go on like, he calls it trash walks around the neighborhood where he's just like, he gets so angry when he sees trash on the ground and was like, why can't we just like clean up this, this like thing? And I was like, well... <laughs> it's really complex and I don't like hate that he's internalized that yeah. of like that's his job as a six-year-old to like pick up every piece of trash that he sees like I didn't teach him that it's just like something that he came up with in his head so like everyone wants to be involved in like making the world better but the problem is like so huge and so far beyond even like what we can imagine like plastic in the ocean or something like how are we ever going to solve that it's like we probably won't so it's like um coming to terms with like the grief and the anxiety and the like disconnect that you feel once you learn about these problems and understanding like it is how it is I didn't cause it but I also can't fix it but I also don't have to like perpetuate it but I also can't be a purist about it where like I still have to go on with my life so like just by being alive you are contributing to the problem and you always will but you also don't have to um just like check out right where like you can do your little thing and that can be enough for today or you can like like you don't have to like and I've talked to people who spend hours like a week sorting recycling and making sure that everything is cleaned and work and like and then you learn that oh well all the recycling is just thrown in the trash anyway because of like a trade dispute with china it's like what the hell like how yeah. am i it's just it it never seems to be everything you do never seems to be good enough um but that doesn't mean that the work that you do isn't important and it doesn't matter like the fact that you care is enough sometimes um and in like people will see like basically if you are here and listening to this conversation you're probably one of the people in your friend group that cares the most maybe or like wants to do the most and like even just like gentle friend um conversations where you're like where you just like meet that person where they are and give them the grace to struggle that's a huge gift that you're giving them and keeps them going just like the question that you asked me just now is like how can I live with myself by knowing that I'm a horrible person by existing like that's something that's super real so um 
all the science over the last 10 or 15 years has shown that just talking about it with basically anyone who will listen, like just acknowledging that this is a problem and it sucks and it's hard and that's okay. And as long as we're all on that same page, then there will be the critical mass at some point to just like create rapid change. Like that's how revolutions work. That's how massive societal change works in throughout history is that everyone struggles for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden it's just taken care of overnight, pretty much like that's grossly, grossly simplifying it. But that's uh, like, like with the school strikes, for example, like if COVID hadn't have happened, I feel like we would have like fixed climate change by now because like we were getting to a place very quickly when like the, the whole system was going to start shutting down because like, you know, everyone that was 14 years old said like, now's our, now's my time. Like, I'm going to shut this thing down if, in the, in, until they listen to me. And like, that's going to happen again. We just have to like, all be ready to like, take our kids to the Capitol building and just like, stop work and say like, today's the day to protest or like, today's the day to have the conversation with my mom who has been throwing away plastic for years. And it's like, yeah. you're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> it's time to stop. Just anything. Um, like as long as you have, like the main thing is to just like keep your motivation to keep going and keep existing basically to be a part of the system. So we're, um, that involves like going for walks that involves taking a break when it feels overwhelming. Like, you can't just because I've felt this before of like, if I try to do everything, and then I stop, then those emails are not getting sent, like, those like, conversations are not being exchanged. Like, if I'm not doing anything, because I'm like paralyzed with anxiety, or if I've skipped my therapy appointment or anything like that, then like, I'm not useful to anyone, including myself. So like, Ideally, stopping yourself before you get to that point, asking for help and like making sure that you can continue on with what it means to be alive, really. Like that's all that's asked of you is just to keep participating. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Eric. Yeah, incredible to, to hear such optimism because I think it's, it, it's needed. It's certainly needed. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do let us and Eric know. All the links you need are in the show notes. What Eric and the teams currently in Project Mushroom are doing is so important. And if I can ask just one favor today, it's that you share this conversation with one person in your life who might be interested and use it to create some change of their own. Thank you as ever for listening. See you next time.